station, but we're here for a real education. Welcome to A Real Education. I am your host, Tim Wick. I am joined, as always, by my co-host, movie, uh, we're going to say Magic Mirror, <laughs> Melissa Kersher. Hello! And uh, we have two, two two movie noobs, or as we like to call them for the purposes of today's show, movie dwarfs, uh, joining us today. Uh, I feel so special. <laughs> we have Lana Rosario. Hi there. And we have David McKay. Hello. Hello. <laughs> so, uh, as we always do, you two uh, theoretically have not seen this film, or at least, uh, as we discussed, have no recollection of seeing this movie uh, as far as you can go back in your movie recollection. Is that right? That is correct. You can't really remember ever having seen the film. No, I have like a weird uh, uh, random memories of things that I think are probably from it, but may also have been Disney World rides that I have been on in the past. Uh, sure, yeah. So, uh, given that, you need to tell us what you know or think you know about Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. And I need to point out it is dwarfs, not dwarves. Dwarfs. Yeah, because dwarves, dwarfs. is a J.R.R. Tolkien theme. Yes. Mm -hmm. So dwarfs. Interesting. Well, I'm smarter already. Yeah. <laughs> You've learned something. Well, you can't go... I mean, everybody knows the story because it's really, you know, it's a fairy tale. I think yeah. everybody knows the major plot points. Sure. Yeah, it's Brothers Grimm. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, you know, I've, I've seen little snippets... You know, so I, you know, oh, there's a bluebird helping her clean. I don't know. Something like that. So, you know, little, <laughs> so yeah, I've, you know, because you see little snippets when you're watching something else or, or, but okay, I will share with you when I went to see it as a, I believe a four-year-old. Please mm -hmm. do. I had this enormous orange soda. <laughs> And I believe I downed the whole thing before the movie started <laughs> and I proceeded to throw up on myself wow. and my male parent had to bring me into the bathroom and clean me up and if I re recollect it's not a particularly long movie like I missed most of the movie and I okay. and I really I, I t joked with my husband tonight I said I should bring some orange soda <laughs> tonight just as a joke you know I believe we have some orange we, soda we probably do here yeah. and a couple hours later my stomach actually started to grumble and growl at me. Oh, boy. Uh -oh, no. And I haven't wanted to eat anything. It's not a happy <laughs> belly. And I think it's just, it's really got this connection to the movie that, you know, it's unhappy. Oh and my. so, dear listeners, wow. we will be providing Lana with a towel. <laughs> and, and perhaps perhaps a bucket. If I get up really fast, don't get between me and the bathroom. Right. Maybe a tarp. Wow. Okay. A tarp. Yeah. I'll be a sitting tarp. elsewhere. And I know. I'm a lovely outcast, aren't I? It's the first thing I've ever heard that Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs have in common with Gallagher. So, um, oh my God. that and uh, The Exorcist. But, uh, uh, David, yes. why don't you tell us what you know? You know, it's funny. I'm just now remembering that like it has music and there's, uh, you know, what do I know? Boy, I, I really think my memories are from rides in Disney World because they seem very 3D, like something about going in a mine and then having the dwar dwarfs there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, no Tolkien-esque dwarves here. They are dwarfs. But I feel like I, as a child, uh, maybe connected to them more than Snow White or anyone else. And mm -hmm. so um, I think that's kind of all I vaguely... I don't remember their names even now, though, that I'm thinking about it. Hmm. I, well, Yeah, I, I can probably name them, but I'm, I'm, I'm 
I'm squinting my eyes shut trying to remember what they're supposed to look like, and yeah. I'm, I'm not doing very well. They're just well. like all like insults, aren't they? Like, hey, this is stupid, and this is... <laughs> I mean, aren't they just... Dopey, happy, sneezy, happy. doc. Mm-hmm. Grumpy. Okay, that Jerky. was what, five? Yeah. Yeah. That's so. the thing about the seven dwarfs. You get to five, and then you're like, what, what are the other two? And it doesn't matter, because you'll name five, and if I told you to name five again, you'd name a different five. <laughs> yep. And you yep. wouldn't remember which two yep. you forgot. Yep. Which I, I are, will, by the way, I believe oh, Bashful sleepy. and Doc. There we go. Oh, Sleepy, sleepy and Bashful. Excuse me. Bashful. Bashful. Yeah. So anyway. So, so I, once had a, I once went into the gynecologist. And, oh, um, okay. Well, did you have an orange Did you have an orange soda? Oh. This, is, this is related, believe okay. it or not. I once went into the gynecologist and she said, okay, okay, I got to tell you about this woman who was just in here. So the, the woman stripped down and to have her, you know, yearly physical and... Uh, the gynecologist went in to, to look at, at things, and she said there was a a large tattoo of bashful on this woman's inner thigh. So the, the bashful dwarf just going, hey! Wow. <laughs> and the doctor just burst out laughing, apparently. So... So, so you if, you're, if you're looking oh, for a tattoo a idea... <laughs> so what, what, oh my god, what, that one just totally slayed me. <laughs> what we know about Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs that I have been able to determine is you should not watch it while drinking orange soda. That's probably true. And it has inspired some rather poorly placed tattoos. <laughs> or brilliantly Or brilliantly placed Perhaps both. That is brilliant. I, I'm, I'm thinking of, of the first time she brings someone home that... Uh, I'm not sure that you always want to have laughter at that particular moment, huh. but perhaps that breaks the ice. Yeah, I, I think that makes it makes things a little more. It's calm. a it's a conversation starter, but hopefully you would have starts the conversation. Starts the conversation that, like, before that point. Is that really conversation? The conversation. Just a, a lull in the conversation. <laughs> hey, check this out. Oh, let's talk. Okay. The conversation it starts is you can't go any further until you can name the other six. Ooh. Ah, it's, Ooh. it's like you got to make sure you got the right guy. That's yeah. what I'm saying. Um, <laughs> I should have asked my husband to, to name Star Trek characters or something then. There you go. <laughs> Tonight. I probably wouldn't be married. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a different that's a podcast. Different, yeah. So uh, yes. what we are going to do now, uh, as, as is our want, we are going to head off and we're going to watch Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. And if you, like our two uh, guests here today, have not seen it since you were a wee child, perhaps you should go off and watch it yourself. Or not. But when you come back, you might want to know there will be spoilers. I don't usually mention that because it's pretty obvious, but today I just decided we're going to spoil this movie that was made in the 1930s. I was so say, just it was made before <clears throat> my mother was born. Yes, and and uh, based on a story that is a couple centuries as old. old as writing itself, almost. So if you've been in a cave, if you've been in a cave, we are going to spoil the shit out of this movie, which. <laughs> Coincidentally, spend some time in a cave. Uh, anyway, mm-hmm, true. So we'll. I, I don't think we need to say anything about this movie, Melissa. Do you? It's Disney. Yeah, it's a Disney movie. We'll be back. Okay. I'm home. We are back. Many cobwebs have been cleaned. Many birds have uh, pooped in the house. Pooped, pooped in, in the, the house, house, it would seem. Uh, <laughs> and uh, we have watched Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. <laughs> Dwarfs. 
So, uh, as is uh, the way this podcast rolls, we're going to talk to our noobs first and see what they thought of the film. Uh, I We have not rolled a die or flipped a coin to determine who talks first, so you just get to whoever talks first wins. Ah! Yay! All right. A lot All right. of wins. <laughs> well... I didn't puke in this one, so I'm yes. really I did mean, happy. I did mean to bring that up, that there Damn. was no vomiting. Yes, <laughs> so that's good. It was I, a vomit-free experience. I will say, it's the artwork is beautiful. Yes. Um, and the, the wonderful, uh, smooth way everybody moves, because they have, have spent so much time uh, drawing, um, that's wonderful. The music is pretty great, but it's funny. <laughs> to listen to that affected voice that was popular in the day. Yeah. Very, yeah. is it Lily Pons I'm thinking of that used to sing like that too? And then when the prince comes in like Nelson Eddy, that's hysterical. <laughs> um, yeah. It, it, oh, um, so yes, essentially yeah. it was a, um, an operetta. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, and so those are the good bits. <laughs> I think this is definitely a movie that should not be shown to children. <laughs> Because uh, it's it's really just like so just pro roofy like it really is. Oh, it is. Yeah. It is I mean, yeah. I seriously, I think Bill Cosby, a young Bill Cosby, watched this and he got ideas and he's like, you just need to just make him sleep and then you give him, then you do what you want. Well, and it's and, just such misogynistic crap. <laughs> I mean, there's only two women in the whole movie, and of course they can't get along, and you know. Uh, but but it does pass the Bechdel test. Wait, are you sure? Snow White, all she talks about is, like, this guy. What about this guy? Well, but the well, thing they is... Do talk about, they do talk about apples. I they mean, talk about apples. But it's it's a competition about who's prettiest. That's true. But Which the is really, test does not make a value judgment on, on, the, the, on, the, on but the subject matter but it's still, of the film. Yeah. Well, and also the whole, here's, here's a woman with power, so she must be an evil witch. Mm-hmm. Which, uh, well, all of it and is, even if she's a witch, she must be evil. Yeah, yeah. Well, okay. So, so take it even a step further. It's like, okay, let's say if you have ideals of like, okay, what's good and what's bad. Well, when we have women, bad means oh, she's smart and educated. Um, so, oh, well, she must also be vain, mm-hmm. right? And it, and it's like, I mean, Snow White, honestly, like she wasn't very bright. Yeah. <laughs> no. Oh, I mean, don't talk to strangers, but I'll eat their apples. <laughs> Even the, the critters of the forest, which there were oh so many, they were able to figure out what was going on before. I mean, yeah. Uh, so again, like, so Snow White, right? She's innocent. I mean, and this is also the the reason there was an apple, right? It was the apple of knowledge metaphor, right? And it's like, well, because she knows so much, it's like going to poison you, Snow White, because, you know, you're dim and this will poison you some knowledge. Until you have, and that's your thing. Okay, just so she's dead of knowledge, and then and then she's so beautiful after death. They they decide to just keep her around because well, of male gaze, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Well, she's okay. pretty, yeah. and she's a good housekeeper. So yes, she's a good woman. Well, that's yeah. <laughs> oh please. On top of that, her entire value is like okay, guys can look on you, look at you, and also yeah, you clean up, clean up, cook, and that's it. And then she takes on those values. Well, and also it's kind of funny because, okay, so her only values are domestic chores, but then they devalue the chores as well. And like, actually, it's really simple. The critters basically do it. And so even though that's going to, we're going to pigeonhole you as that's your one skill, you can't even do it. Well, and didn't that make her a supervisor? I feel like that yeah. elevates her power. Well, <laughs> but it, it really, 
I mean, the guys. No, now real, but she. I think she was like exploiting the proletariat in that. Though I mean that's very massive. Uh, yeah, yeah. Therefore, think, you are animals. I think, therefore, I think yeah. she was given a considerable amount of power over those creatures. <laughs> well, I think it's also and sexist. And the dwarfs. It's, over it, the dwarfs. Yeah. It's sexist that the dwarfs <laughs> have aren't able to care for themselves until a woman comes and and True. gives them you know some sort of you know society or culture. No, here's the rules. You must wash your hands. You know, it's just like. And there were three, there were four more beds, but of course, you know, they can't sleep in the same room, mm-hmm. so they all have to be uncomfortable. I'm, well, what? and what, and, and let's unpack that a little bit about the, the dwarves, the dwarves, dwarves. Is, is. Dwarfs. dwarfs, dwarfs, okay, so there are a whole <laughs> bunch of men living together out in the woods, are they not gay, are they, like, what's, what's, what's this the truth of what's era. going on? They are on? unquestionably not gay. <laughs> I have to. Uh, yeah. I always assumed that they were all brothers because they look so much alike. Mm, maybe it's maybe. not unreasonable to think that. But uh, as we've discussed on this podcast before, uh, the Hayes Code is a very important uh, code that all films in that time period had to follow. Uh, they had very specific rules about what you could morally show and what you could morally not show. Mm-hmm. Some of it was ridiculous, like the fact that not even a married couple could be portrayed as sleeping in the same bed. Yeah. But one of the taboos that was absolutely huge was you could not portray homosexuality on screen. Mm-hmm. So if you were going to do that, you had to come up with really subtle and uh, weird ways to drop hints that a particular character is gay. Uh, and uh, this, uh, we've watched the Maltese Falcon. If you yeah. watch the Maltese Falcon, oh, yeah. there's a character it's, in that yeah. film that is gay, 100%. In the book, it makes it... Uh, it Word for word says the character is gay, but in the film they can never say that. So they choose some really subtle techniques, not non-verbal stuff, to have the actor display that he's gay. So what are those? Uh, uh, Peter Laurie's handkerchief smells like gardenias. And yes. Uh, and when like they that. say that, there's a there's yeah. a musical sting in the in the soundtrack that's like do. Um, it's a reveal of some sort. And he, he's holding an umbrella. Oh yeah. He's holding an umbrella that has this bird that's remarkably phallic. And at one point, he holds the umbrella up to his mouth in a suggestive <laughs> fashion. It's, it's, it's really clearly they're like, yes, this is the same character. You folks that are fans of the book that know this character's gay, still gay. Here but are our nods to it. you. So. Snow White, which is produced by Walt Disney, uh, certainly he would not have been trying to imply at any point in time that the dwarfs were gay. Well, no. But, uh, but that's the even thing. If, we're looking at what's he, going on. Even if he had wanted to imply that the dwarfs were gay, there is no way that he could have implied it. Mm-hmm. The the He's... Code was really strict on that, and in yeah. fact, that was the last taboo that basically got broken. That was, was the last thing yeah. that they kind of busted through to completely destroy the Hayes Code. Yeah, and that wasn't until the late '60s. Um, I mean, I'm not saying that they're overtly written to be gay. I'm just saying, just like any of it, like uh, you know, were these things overtly written to to say that you know, if women are intelligent, that means they're they're vain and they're evil it's like no but but if you think of the 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 cultural norms at the time and the people who were not just the writers and directors not again individual people who made individual decisions but all coming together this is how they saw a logic of a story of like well sure this character would be like this and that character would be like that so i think that at the time 
homosexuality was so culturally buried mm-hmm. that there is not a single suggestion in this film that anybody would have picked up on that those characters are gay. Yeah, I think, I mean, uh, and also, you know, the the fact that there are seven dwarves that comes from the original Brothers Grimm publication, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, they, as does much of the story. Uh, yeah, I mean, certainly Disney, as with every fairy tale that they they adapted, they they made changes, but mm-hmm. the story itself isn't really too far off the mark. Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean there are, there are changes that in the grim story the uh, there are three attempts at assassination because there's mm. also a poison comb and oh, there's and there's a bodice that's supposed to strangle her to death, which I find very fascinating. Really. <laughs> and they were originally going to put all three in the film. Yeah. But and then But the film, I have to say, moves so much slower well, because, than we're used to these days. Oh yes. Oh yes. yeah. Well, this is the first feature-length animated feature in America, and it was the first feature-length one in actual color. It was... First uh, cell-animated film. First cell-animated feature-length film. And um, so what... This movie was... When Disney was making it, everybody in Hollywood said... He's going to lose his shirt. Yeah, it, it was called Disney's Folly because they 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 thought he was just bonkers to try something on this scale. Now this wasn't the first feature length animated film period. There there were predecessors like the one we like watched the one we watched on the, the episode previous episode. But um, mm-hmm. this was um, an astounding amount of work. It was mm-hmm. like four years worth of work wow. before you know from when he started producing it to uh, when it came out and. It cost, um, I think eventually it wound up costing about $1.4 million, which was an insane amount of money at that point. But but when the film came out, and this is, uh, it made more money, four times more money than the next most popular film of that year. Yeah, it was Mm. a huge hit. It was gigantic. This is the sort of thing you found Um, an empire on. (laughs) And and indeed they did. did. And they did. Yeah, this is one of the highest grossing movies of all time adjusted for inflation. Definitely the highest grossing animated film of all time, if you adjust for inflation. Isn't that crazy looking back on it with modern sensibilities? Because if you think about animation, you think about, you know, well, what are some action scenes? And it's like literally half of it is like tidying up. You yeah, know what I mean? Up, yep. And Gathering uh, flowers. The, the, the yodely dance scene takes like five minutes. Mm-hmm, yeah. mm-hmm. You know, whereas in a modern film, they would make that scene take about a minute and a half. Yeah, this is this oh. is all about displaying kind of the magic of animation. Mm-hmm. Really, it, it it it's very much about the medium itself rather than telling a plot, and it's about you know. Mm. Y- Making a bunch of kids who are used to watching black and white movies go, ooh, look well, at that. <laughs> like I said For, before, though, it's very much like going to an operetta. Yeah. So, okay, we have a musical number. It mm-hmm. lasts this long, and people dance, and they sing, and this. So mm-hmm. it just felt like, you know, and then they put in all these animals. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was a big thing. They, uh, early in the Disney, uh. Yeah, Disney was fascinated with anthropomorphized animals. Yes, yeah. so he maybe uh, yeah, maybe he was a furry. We don't know. Well, there, well, um, there was totally a proto Bambi and a proto Thumper in there. Oh yeah. Well, and, and also as as you pointed out, Tim, yeah, it, Jiminy Crickets. Or did well, you that say was, or did that was an exclamation of surprise? Yes, it was a common exclamation. Yeah, but, yeah. but it's, it's fascinating it's because a the next foreshadowing. The next mm. film they did was Pinocchio. Mm-hmm. Um, and by the time that, um, well. 
after this movie came out, the Oscars the next next year, uh, Disney got a, like an honorary Oscar, like a special achievement. Because there was Oscar. no category. Because there, there was, was no, no category, category for what he for just what, done. What yeah. this was, and so they made like uh, a regular Oscar and like uh, seven, seven mini Oscars mini to Oscars, go with it, yes. and that was his Oscar for the the film. But uh, he then proceeded in his acceptance speech to talk for 25 minutes about the production of Pinocchio, which was going on at that time. No playing him off. Yep. Well, this was at a time when it was not <laughs> televised. Yeah. And uh, if you've ever seen Walt Disney talk, it probably wasn't boring. That's mm. probably um, true. I mean, he was doing something that nobody else was. Yeah. And this, this, this film makes every animated film that you've seen in your life possible. Mm -hmm. <laughs> if this film flops, I don't know that animated features ever really become a thing. Well, I mean, uh, animation, hand animation uh, existed well before that, but sure. it was always in the format of shorts. And mm -hmm. um, yes, there are experimental filmmakers who you know went into the, the feature film format once uh, Prince Ahmed came out, but... Um, a lot of those people were very avant-garde, and this was one of the first real mainstream things that wasn't a short that was animated. Yeah, they just yeah. took it. They took a fairy tale and they yeah. animated it. So they took a story that people were probably at least a little bit familiar yeah. with. Yeah. Uh, and they they animate it. They put it on screen. They show people we can do stuff in this format that we can't do in live action. Mm -hmm. You can't have. A uh, bunch of anthropomorphized animals mm -hmm. in live action. You can't. You couldn't do it mm. at the time. They did yeah. such wonderful, creepy stuff. You know, oh, yeah. with the shadows from the the fire and and you know all the the trees grabbing at them and stuff. I love that. I absolutely adore that. The and transformation it, yeah. scene of the of the of the queen. So I, much when she pulls that apple out and you can see the the skull, skull that forms yeah. and the poison that's dripping off of it. This is all stuff that that. You couldn't do live action. And right. maybe, maybe, and it's a big maybe, somebody else would have made the film that was Snow White that would have made animated features such a big deal. But I think the really important thing is that Disney had the name and the clout mm -hmm. that he could make a movie like that that people would say, all right, I'll give it a try. Mm-hmm. And they did, and it was successful, and then they go on to make many more feature films. And it actually takes, really, decades for any other studio to emerge as any kind of competition mm -hmm. for what Disney is doing in the animated film yeah, it, it, market. Because Warner Brothers kind of started launching their shorts and stuff in the 40s. Mm -hmm. um, but Warner Brothers yeah. didn't do features. Yeah, they, they did, did shorts. Features. They did shorts. Um, and... Disney was the only one making features until really, like I think the seventies and eighties, and is when you start seeing other animation companies well, yeah, begin when to Bluth, emerge. When Bluth uh, branched off and formed its own studio, and uh, uh, there were the there, Secret uh, of Nim and American Tail. Yeah, the that Canadian. Um, Those were quite a bit later, though, weren't they? Yeah, there was mm -hmm. that Canadian studio that did Rock and Roll and stuff like that. Yeah, and of course, Heavy Metal. Yeah, yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. <laughs> Heavy Metal. <laughs> but uh, well, or even the animated Lord of the Rings films. Mm -hmm. um, Bakshi. There, there, there was, mm. but but it really does come back to the fact that Snow White establishes an entirely different way to make movies. Mm -hmm. uh, that. 
Disney owns and and it creates. He made because Disney was an, an impressive figure in the sense that, I mean, he never did it alone, and he never claimed yeah. he did it alone, but he always knew that there needed to be a figurehead. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he was good and, at doing and that. And he had to be the figurehead. I mean, he, at some point, he famously pointed out that I mean, even though he had done the initial drawings for Mickey Mouse, he could not draw Mickey Mouse <laughs> as Mickey as Mickey became later. His The signature that they have that is Walt Disney's signature, he was like, I can't do that. I cannot sign yeah. my name the way my name is. Literally, is. <laughs> an animator designed a signature for him. Yes, wow. that yeah. was that was yeah. Walt Disney's design signature, and it was all to create this personality. But he was the idea guy. Snow mm-hmm. White happens because one day Walt Disney walks into his office and he says, "We are going to make an animated feature film," and everybody in the office says, "Okay." Mm-hmm. Nobody in the office says you're a fucking lunatic. <laughs> they all say they all wanted to keep their jobs. They all want, well, but even even that, he yeah. had people in there that were like, every time he says that we're going to do something, and we're like, that's crazy. We end up doing it. He walks in and they they create Mickey Mouse, and he's like, all right, well, you know, they're starting with this sound thing. We're going to make a cartoon with sound because mm-hmm. he's the first one that does it, and they're all like, okay, yep. He yep. says he says we're going to make the first animated cartoon with color. And they mm-hmm. say, okay. And I mean, he, he makes these, he makes these, he, he's not the guy that figures out how to do it, but he's the guy that walks in and tells everybody else, I know you can do it. Yeah, here's he, the next step. Yeah, his yeah. right hand man is a guy named uh, Ub Iwerks, who, um, yeah, his first name is U, UB, and then Iwerks is his last name. But he, mm. he was kind of the, kind of the, technical master and and the two of them uh, met in college and they had like two failed animation companies before forming Disney Studios basically on the back of Steamboat Willie and and the um, Mickey Mouse shorts that they were doing so um, but uh, Iwerks was the guy who not not just was a uh, like a master animator but also um, he developed um, types of um, like green screen early green screen production and you know traveling mats and just the the real technical stuff a lot of that stuff came from him so but he wasn't the face of the company you know walt disney Mm -hmm. was the front man Mm -hmm. another thing that's mentioned about this film uh i was reading roger ebert's uh column about this movie yeah uh, you know where he talks about the fact that if they had decided to make a movie about Snow White, it would have failed because yeah. Snow White's boring. Hmm. It is. It is. So they made <laughs> they made a movie about the dwarfs mm-hmm. that and the animals. features Snow White. Yeah, and the it, animals. In the, in the original story, the dwarfs are this tiny little part of the story, and huh. they don't they aren't named. They're just kind of incidental. Is the Huntsman a bigger part in the original? Or? No. Well, yeah, I mean, kind of. Yeah, no. Kind of. You, you see him actually come. He, you, well, there's a whole movie. I mean, I yeah, there's Snow White and the Huntsman. Snow White and the Huntsman, where hey. the Huntsman is a hunky dude that Snow White gets it on with or something. Yeah, that's our goodness. You know. I haven't watched that. Yeah, I haven't seen I that haven't one either. either. I bet he's fit. Isn't yeah. the Huntsman Chris Hemsworth? Anyway, I, yeah, I yeah, think so. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't maybe, seen it, though. Snow White and Thor! <laughs> <laughs> there's a good cross. <laughs> maybe it was Liam Hemsworth because he's cheaper. I don't know. Uh, I, don't remember. I, I don't know. I've got no, it. I haven't watched it I think it was still still when Hemsworth was not quite as expensive. Yeah, that could be. Um so yeah, I mean, and and you can, and absolutely, it's a product of its times in terms of, 
in terms of mm-hmm. the way that they portray women and the way they portray men. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and the way they sing. And the way they sing. <laughs> yeah, I, I, we were all talking about her, uh, Snow White wearing high-heeled shoes yeah. with bows as she goes traipsing through the forest. An interesting thing about the actors who played Snow White, a couple mm-hmm. of things. Oh, I, yeah. I don't have, one, one thing is that they, they contracted her in such a way that she basically could do nothing else for the rest of her yeah. life. Adrian, Adriana Casalotti. She was an 18-year-old uh, singer. She was the daughter of, um, I think it was two opera singer music teachers. And um, Disney went to her father and said, hey, do you have a student who could sing this role? And uh, he heard Adriana's voice and he went, We'll cast her. She's perfect. But they put her under such a contract. It's, I, he, meaning Disney. Disney owned her voice. She could not use her voice in any other movies. Now she did wind up um, providing a voice in The Wizard of Oz. Meaning there is one line that she says because she she is the voice of Juliet during the the uh, the Tin Woodsman's song. Um, if I only had a heart, you know, like. The, there's the woman's voice speaking. How many years yeah. after this was uh, Wizard of Oz? Wizard next Oz year. Just was the, the following year. Wizard of Oz is in it. Yeah, by the way, Snow White was the top grossing film of all times for almost exactly a year. Because after the that... next year they released Gone with the Wind. Bing. And mm. then that knocked it out and of its top that slot. knocked it out of its top slot. But uh, uh. Adriana Casalotti is also heard in, um, in It's a Wonderful Life as... Uh, is she singing in a nightclub, I think it is? Like you can hear in the background while Jimmy Stewart's on the bridge talking, if I remember right. I don't know. But yeah, she's like, her voice is way in the background. I don't know how they work. But yeah, her career is basically just Snow White. I remember she she did try going back into opera. And, uh, but, Mm. you know, mostly she just, uh, just was Snow White for the rest of her life. Like her, her home in Beverly Hills was loaded with like Snow White memorabilia, mostly like given to her by fans. And uh, she'd answer the door, and if there was a kid out there, she'd answer in her Snow White voice. And you know, I remember seeing her, I believe, on the Tonight Show when it was still Johnny Carson, mm-hmm. and she was about I don't know sixty something at the time. And Jesus, she still sounded just like Snow White. Oh yeah, it was just crazy, and and and, and she was a little loony. Uh, I, I imagine she was because <laughs> she, she'd spent her entire life basically being able to be nobody but Snow White. So yeah. Yeah. she she would you know she would just break into song every now and again while she was being interviewed and, oh, wow. and it, but anyway she, she was she she did <laughs> why wouldn't you <laughs> and she know, sounded to keep it just like Snow White it was freaky weird it was awesome she she did claim to be the first woman to wear a bikini in public I don't know how true that is but. But, you know, mm. good for her. Yeah, good for her. Also, um, Marv Newland, the animator who created Bambi Meets Godzilla, when he came up with that short film, he was renting a, a room from her. <laughs> right? <laughs> so weird. I know, right? Wow. I, I'm not even going to think about that. Because Bambi came out, what, four years later? Yeah, because it, it was this. It was uh, mm-hmm. after this was Pinocchio, Pinocchio, and then Fantasia, and then Bambi. I think that was a lineup. Mm-hmm. Of the I think Fantasia films. might have been. Well, anyway, Fantasia, I'm pretty sure, is earlier than Bambi. Yeah, 
It's crazy how much more those movies have going on. Dumbo. And, uh, anyway. Ooh, Dumbo's in there too. I got okay. Yeah, I'm not sure Dumbo's the, really the chronology early. of his early the early films, but yeah, they were. I know it was Snow White, and then it was Pinocchio, and they were cranking him out pretty, really pretty fast, fast and furious at that point. Because by God, they had all the money in the world by that point. The, yeah, but it gave them the opportunity to do stuff like Fantasia, and Fantasia yeah. was a horrible failure. Yeah. But it's awesome. It is. It, it is mm-hmm. another one of the most influential films ever made. Yeah. Yeah. And at the time, it just tanked. Yeah. It tanked. But they could just keep churning them out because mm-hmm. they had made so much money off of Snow White. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the Mickey Mouse shorts. They were they were doing okay with those. Um, so, you know, why would Fantasia tank and then this movie do so well? Well, it Because well, it's narrative. Yeah. Fantasia Fantasia's was weird. weird. <laughs> it was yeah. a little LSD trick. The first it was a lot LSD. And yet one of the reasons <laughs> it became nice. popular later is because of it re-released in the 60s. Uh-huh. Now, tell me why that's important. I mean, <laughs> 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 mm. But uh, that said... <laughs> Uh, they, I mean, they branch out from there. They're they're making all sorts of yeah. different movies. They're making their their true nature stories, which are of course complete complete Bullshit. falsifications. And, <laughs> mm. Yeah, and that, that's when they're you know like bulldozing lemmings off of cliffs and stuff. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or or was that? No, no, that was Disney, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah Disney was. Disney bulldozed yeah, the lemmings. Yeah. The, the, Disney bulldozed the lemmings. Yeah. God damn. Because it turned out, turned out that myth, that thing about lemmings running off the cliff was yeah, a complete myth, but they really wanted to have the lemmings run off the cliff anyway. So, And, and then, uh, you know, oh, by man. 1955, you know, that's when uh, Disneyland opened, and that's, you know, <laughs> legendary That's been thing a thing. Down. Yep, yep. Yeah. So, and, but it all, and he, he, Disney says it all started with a mouse, but it really, in a lot of ways, all started with Snow White. Mm-hmm. It did. Uh, if he'd just well, been making well, cartoons. he wouldn't have had Snow White if it wasn't for the mouse. Well, it's true. Yeah. It's true, but but the point where he goes from success to empire, yeah, I think can be traced back to Snow White. Yeah, but true. at the same time, you know, there are so many animated films right now. I mean, this weekend I just went to see the Lego Batman movie, which was hilarious, and I recommend it if you haven't seen it. It's mm-hmm. a lot of fun, and. Even though there's not a single reference to Snow White in that film, if Snow White doesn't exist, Lego Batman doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. <laughs> However, Snow White starts that whole princess, princess thing. thing. It does. That really needs to not be anymore. <laughs> I mean, most little girls like sparkly stuff. I mean, that's great. I mean, I still like sparkly stuff. I like sparkly stuff. And... As a five-year-old, everything had to be pink. Everything. <laughs> you know, you grow out of that. But the whole, the whole somebody's gonna save me kind yeah. of thing yeah. just needs yeah. to freaking die now. Yeah. Well, and I think that was a problem with the stories that they were telling at the time. And again, the inherent society ideas mm-hmm. for for women. That that you know we've we've I mean if you've watched Moana it's an entirely different kind of character yeah it's still a princess in the sense that she's the daughter of the chief mm-hmm. but uh, you know it's not a character that needs to be saved uh, and you know so they obviously there there's a mentality that's changing and a recognition that 
I'll give Disney credit for recognizing that they, more than anybody, are creating role models for young women yeah. and are starting to recognize the kind of role models they should be trying to create need to be more uh, diverse ethnically. They need to be more powerful. They need to be more more than just somebody looking for a boyfriend to rescue them. And I'm going to argue that I don't think Snow White represents the nadir of that kind of character. I think the nadir of that kind of character, and I really enjoy the movie anyway, is Cinderella. Oh Cinderella is a useless character. Oh, yes. All she does is treat other people nice and deal with the shit that gets layered on top of her. She literally does nothing at any point to save herself except keep the slipper. But yet, when she gets locked in her room, she can't even rescue herself from her room. Then again, has, she's not quite as dense as Snow White. Snow White's <laughs> well, she's Snow a little more on the ball. Snow White's Snow pretty White. dumb, but she's like also I say, like kid. You know, she's fourteen. She's fourteen. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. yeah, she's fourteen, and that's. Yeah. But she's also capable. Mm-hmm. You know, granted, it's capable of what people thought women ought to be able to do at the time. But she could cook quite well. She least. she could make a pie like a motherfucker. I was, she's royalty and she can cook. You know, yeah. that's notable. That's notable. And, and she and she, as but I what's said about that collar, she takes off the cape and the, she still has this copper collar between the collar and the shoes and the dress. <laughs> they're all of totally different eras. What the heck? Well, and also, did you notice at the very beginning when she they have her in something that's tattered? Mm-hmm. And I, I, you know, like they were going to start off with with oh, she's she's kept you know her job was as a, as a house cleaner or something that her that her evil stepmother was making her do. Mm-hmm. But that was only like one scene that she had tattered great big patches. Sure, and then, then they send her boom. out into the woods, and she's in the outfit that you always expect Snow White to be in. And now, where was Dad through all this? I mean, he might be dead, but they don't say that in the in the. They don't say where her parents are at all. Yeah, because so it's, it's her like, stepmother. The Wicked yes. Queen is her stepmother. Mm-hmm. So you know, obviously, her dad married this woman, mm-hmm. and it, I'm like, well. If she's a princess, that means that he was king, which means if he dies, his queen doesn't take over. So he's still alive, I assume. Why? Where is he? He's totally, you know, he's not stepping in for his yeah, kid. What's the deal with the Screw original him. work? Does anyone know of the, the Brothers Grimm tale? What the, what's the deal with dad? Why does she have a deadbeat dad? <sighs> I mean, can't he see that his daughter is dressed, you know worse than a servant and that she you know she's got dishpan hands yeah i think i think the dad had passed away in the grim fairy tale I, but, I there, but there are so many different versions of it too because mm. they revised them over yeah. the years i mean it's, it's like based a on a german 50. on a german folk tale yeah. but there's a scholar who actually pinpointed um w- an actual true story that might be the origin of the fairy tale because there is this woman named uh, Margarita von Waldeck, born 1533, who was the daughter of Philip IV of waldeck wildungen and his first wife, Margaret of East Frisia. She was believed to be the influence for this story because um, the father owned a bunch of copper mines, um, and a majority of the workers were children, you know, little people. And then when Margarita was about 16 or 17, she left home, and uh, because she had a new stepmother and a uh, stepmother and she did not get along. So she went off to Brussels and she attracted the attention of Philip II of Spain. And then when they announced their intention to marry, 
the uh, the father and the stepmother objected because the father didn't think it was politically expedient for some reason to be I don't know marrying the Philip II of Spain for some reason, and the you know stepmother just didn't like the girl, so that didn't go well. And then mysteriously, by age twenty one, Mar- Margarita was dead, supposedly perhaps of poisoning because. As she was writing her last will and testament, she had tremors like she had been poisoned by some things were, that were popular in the day. So, mm. the as the story goes, she was probably poisoned. But by that time, when she died, her stepmother was also dead, which means it couldn't have been her stepmother. So, who knows who killed her? You know, when I read old stories, it's kind of like, I'm surprised yeah. half the population weren't poisoned all the time. Just, you know, sanitary conditions and everything. It's like people just dying left and right. Mm-hmm. Um, well, there was a lot of poisoning until uh, they f- started figuring out the forensics of it, and it was relatively recently when that started happening. You'd be surprised how many things are in your garden that mm-hmm. can kill you. Oh, God, yeah. I mean, I've got a couple of things that, you know, if you ingest them, you're dead. Oh, There's yeah. There's just no going back. Yeah. But yeah. they're pretty. They're Like what, apples. What is that? What is no. that? Uh, no. Is it the Poisoner's Handbook? Is that the book that's about the people who were... Was it in New York? They were working to... They were uh, actual early like forensic scientists trying to figure out how to find out if people had been poisoned and what they had been poisoned with. Mm-hmm. That sounds yeah. reasonable. Yeah. Lily of the Valley is one of the most poisonous things. Yeah. yeah. And, and of course, there's nightshade all over the place in the state. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, and... Uh, um, is it deadly nightshade? Sorry. Well, you know, if you eat enough of it. Yeah. Aconite and foxglove. Yeah. Um, so the point is, yeah. the evil queen did way too much work. Yeah, totally. To poison totally. Snow White. She, she could have just put some foxglove leaves in her salad and have done with and it. And then it would have yeah. been just, it would have been a lot easier, a lot, of, yeah, a lot cleaner. Mm-hmm. She wouldn't have had to get, had to fall to her death. Uh, this is the movie that establishes the way most Disney villains die. Oh, yeah, falling from a great height. Oh, falling from a great height. You do yeah. real. Uh, I, I will say it's nice to n- not see the blood and gore. So when when Snow White is poisoned, you don't see her go ah, 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 and see yeah. her contort. All you see is is her arm, you know, on the floor and the apple roll out of it. Mm-hmm. And you, you don't see the queen go splat. There's a, well, I, I, although, I, although I do I love the grizzliness of she falls off and then the big boulder falls off after and then there are vultures. And then the go, vultures yeah. smile like, and go circling down. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I just I, love it. It's, it's, it's a, th- there's some lovely stuff in this film. Mm-hmm. There's some creepy stuff in that this film. And when, mm-hmm. when Snow White's running through the forest and, and frightened and it looks like the trees are grabbing Oh, her, I love that. That's it's, beautiful. It's just got this, this, again, it was stuff they couldn't have done. You know, well, they can, I they mean, can do it Wizard, of Oz, Wizard of Oz, they had trees grabbing at The Wizard of Oz, yes, and I like the Wizard of but Oz, it, and I gotta say those flying monkeys freaked my shit out when I was a kid, but... But I think the talking trees trope came earlier than Wizard of Oz. I think there's an earlier uh, version of Babes in Toyland that has the talking trees. I'm, I'm pretty sure if you go back to the that. time watching that film, that okay. that animation would have a more visceral impact on your audience than, oh, sure. than oh, yeah. some of the stuff they did in Wizard of Oz. or, or Well, I remember like when I was a kid, um, you know, later Disney did that short that's uh, Ichabod Crane on Halloween. That was creepy as fuck. It yeah. terrified me as yeah. a child. And it, that was like an entire short film that was just the scary wood sequence from, from Snow White. <laughs> and that's Disney. And it doesn't have a happy ending. 
No, it doesn't. Think about at Crane all. disappears. Yeah, he's yeah. gone. Yeah, you get a pumpkin thrown at you, and that's all. And that's it. <laughs> You're afraid of pumpkins for the rest. I'm of terrified. Your life. <laughs> well, only if they're on fire. I mean, come on, let's yeah. be logical here. Yeah, I haven't. I haven't seen a flaming pumpkin. Not every there. squash is bad. <laughs> well, if you burn it, it's bad. I don't. If you like you know? the squash on fire and you throw it at people, it's bad. <laughs> I I, don't, I I believe I can say that about any squash. <laughs> don't throw a squash. Better not acorn. It pumpkin doesn't matter. Doesn't you, matter. you fling a flaming squash at somebody's head, and it's bad. It's gonna be bad. Oh, oh just I gourd warfare is not good. <laughs> gourd fair. We are gourd getting fair. we are getting close to the end of our time. Melissa, is there anything before I go to final thoughts? Oh, there are so many things. <laughs> there, are there are a lot of there, there, this is trivia heavy. Oh, it's, is, it ah. is trivia heavy. It is. Um, I do want to talk about Lucille Laverne a little bit, who is the voice of the Evil Queen. Evil Queen. Yeah, she, beautiful voice. Yeah, she was amazing. I, Evil I really Queen is her. hot. She's well, yeah. a hot oh, character. Goodness, yes. She was the second most fair uh, of all. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know. She, you know, if she didn't wear that you know, tight I think hoods if and done, let the let the hair flow. Yes, if she'd done something on. different with her hair. And the makeup. The makeup was a little heavy. Yeah, it was a little, a uh, little Except harsh. now now I'm now I'm ba- you know, shaming another woman, so I really need to back mm, off. There we go. <laughs> yeah, don't shame her makeup needs. She needs to let loose and <laughs> She was still second most fair. I feel that that really she was freaking out over uh, Snow White was 14. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, if, if she, she was waited a year, the kid would have gotten acne and she would have, she would have, she would have grown five inches, but not really known how to handle it. Oh yeah. You know, yeah, totally. it's, uh, you know, yeah. at 14, you could see she had no hips, but give her a couple of years. All of a sudden she's going to have the freshman 15. Yeah. yeah and mm-hmm. it's not going to be pretty. Yeah. yeah. Just saying. Yeah. All it, she just had is she could have just waited. Yeah. Mm. So Lucille Laverne, who did the the voice of the Queen, she was this uh, tremendously talented Broadway actor. Uh, she she actually hit Broadway at like age sixteen, and uh, just had this really great acting career. Um, by like eighteen ninety eight, she had her own acting company, that sort of thing. So by the time this film uh, rolled around, uh, she did the voice, and uh, she was about sixty five, sixty six, and. Um, Wow, her so voice was, sounds much younger than that. Yeah. Mm. So, well, she did the Queen and the Hag. I was wondering about that. Yeah. And so, mm. when the animator, the animators were in the studio with her, and she was recording her lines as the Queen, they said, "Okay, now we, now we need something, I guess, raspier. I, I don't know. Maybe we need a different actress." And she goes, "Wait a second. Okay, so you need somebody raspier, older. Okay, okay." She walks out of the room and, like, a few minutes later, walks back in and she records this amazing old hag voice. And all the animators are like, wow! She had taken out her teeth. She had false teeth. Oh, wow. <laughs> and so she rasped up her voice and, you know, talked with, with her gums and. Wow. That was the old hag voice. Well, there's a character choice I don't think that I'll be making. <laughs> yeah, hopefully not. Well, it's a voiceover. How do you know? So anyway, after, after not that Lana has false teeth, they appear to be real. Yes, so if they are false teeth. Real. They are exceptional. Yes, false yes. teeth. So, yes. so um, after after doing Snow White, uh, Lucille Laverne retired from filmmaking, and uh, she bought a nightclub and ran a nightclub in I think it was Los Angeles. So, 
Headline? Until she died. Was it a tragic death, Melissa? Oh, I think she died of cancer like everybody like else. Like everybody uh, else because they smoked else. like chimneys. Oh, yeah. Disney smoked like crazy. Oh, yes. yes, there are oh. stories of Disney. He would, you know, because he wouldn't smoke while he was sh- while he was filming yeah. the wonderful Disney's Wonderful World of Color. So when he's on screen, he's like, you know, Uncle Walt. But as soon as the camera was off, he would walk off camera and be like, smoking just like like a chimney like to make up for yeah. the cigarettes he had not been able to smoke while huh. he was on camera yeah and the um, there are stories of animators like you you could hear Walt coming from a mile away down the hall so he knew to get back to work because you could hear a <laughs> smoker's cough coming oh, down the hall man. I wonder if that ever got you know like when they're animating and stuff if like smoke residue ever like because if everyone was just a chimney, you oh, know yeah. what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, at the time, yeah. I would imagine the animator's room was filled with smoke. Mm-hmm. Just uh, like smudges from yeah. ashes and just... Yeah. Hmm. So, so there's another fast effect. But I think I think we need to... Uh, as mu- there's lots more to say about this oh, film, God, but yes. we are running out of time, and uh, we need to do final thoughts. So I will throw it over to David. I need your final thought about Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. My final thought is those dwarfs are must be terrible miners because they seem very poor with how much that they're mm. taking out of the earth and so maybe they're not unionized and so maybe this is a critique on uh, anti-labor practices. No, I don't know. That's it's all. Not, I it, it is not entirely clear that what they what they're doing with what they mine because they mine yeah. fully cut gems, gigantic ones. Yeah. At that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And here's piles. They're throwing away some really good-looking ones in favor of some others, and yet they live in this ramshackle hut in the woods. They're really terrible at fencing their goods. Well, I was going to say, if you look at their faces, like the huge red noses, maybe there's an alcoholism, there's a substance abuse problem, maybe there's a sad story. I mean, that's why their place is so unkept, is because they have some problems that they need intervention about. You know what, though? They have beautiful carving in that house, Uh and I'm wondering if either they hired or they themselves because they made her coffin so maybe they all have woodworking skills perhaps they you know invested in some mahogany to to build this house and so all the money went into their, that house and musical and, instruments yeah. and a very mm-hmm. expensive house they have maybe. concertinas and pianos and oh and a and a pipe organ yeah i mean seriously with wooden pipes yeah. but still all right so lana final thought about snow white and the seven dwarfs well i have nothing that deep that's all right. That's okay. It's it's beautifully rendered, but incredibly uncomfortable to watch. <laughs> from a modern sensibility, I cannot disagree. So, if you see stills from them, or just like going through the the forest with all the creepy stuff, because I really love creepy stuff. Mm-hmm. Creepy is where it's at. Um, it's great, but watching the movie itself is like, um, no. <laughs> All right, so Melissa. That, final yeah. thought. So the guy who played Sneezy is a guy who play, who was uh, his name was Billy Gilbert, and he was a vaudevillian who was known for his sneezing act. Ah. <laughs> There's a niche. Wow. Yes. Well, vaudeville was quite the place. <laughs> yes, and uh, he worked with the Three Stooges and Laurel and Hardy, and uh. Uh, he was in The Great Dictator with. Uh, Charlie Chaplin, <laughs> but uh, Tim, you seemed very disappointed that I didn't have a tragic story. So, <clears throat> oh good, oh, yeah. Sneezy died of we had a no, no, no. He was reaction. still alive, but his 13-year-old's uh, adopted son Barry, um, after he got scolded by his grandmother for letting a parrot out of its cage, 
committed suicide. Oh, boy. So there's Thank your you. tragic end. Wow. Thank that you is for the elaborate. tragic There you go. Thank you for the tragic end. I, but, um, but Billy Gilbert does have hundreds and hundreds of credits on on IMDb. He was he was make, cranking out all sorts of comedy shorts. So the good and news I, is he yeah. managed to get over it. Yeah. And uh, um, I will I will have one other final thought. This one's short and happier. Uh, Harry Stockwell, who played the prince, is the father of Dean Stockwell. Oh, my. Interesting. Hmm. Also, Guy Stockwell, yay! But mostly Dean Stockwell, yay! <laughs> and if I'm, that's Quantum Leap, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. All right. Yeah. I'm He's on Alan things. Quantum Leap. All I'm right. Doing. <laughs> <laughs> he did other stuff too, but who gives yeah, a fuck? Yeah, it's yeah. it's yeah, yeah, yeah. he's Alan Quantum Leap. That's pretty much all that matters. <laughs> so, uh, so uh, my final thought uh, is that I, I just um, I wanted to observe that uh, Disney now they used to have a ride called the the scare, Snow White Scary Adventures, which was just this little ride on a track, and uh, it was kind of it was it, it it was one of those rides that was not very good i mean the animatronics were way outdated but they but i still kind of liked it anyway because there was never a line um and they closed it a few years back to make way for a princess greeting area um but what they did instead is they built a uh roller coaster which is the the seven dwarves mine ride or something like that which among other things is the first roller coaster in history to have cars that can individually rock back and forth Whoa. Um, as, as you ride it. But in the middle of the ride, you go through the cave of the dwarfs. Mm -hmm. And they've actually got, like, uh, Dopey, and he's got the, the diamonds in his eyes, and, and they're all spinny and weird. And anyway, it's, it <laughs> is... in the sky with diamonds? Yeah, it is... Uh, a kite. It is one of their cooler... <laughs> rides because of that cave from Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. So whether the movie makes you uncomfortable or not, I'm just going to say, go on that ride if you're at Disney World. Uh, Did you but, know that Joan Crawford is responsible for It's a Small World? Damn her! Well, fortunately, she's dead. So She's a terrible, terrible mommy dearest woman. Yeah. And then uh, I'm also going to say our next episode, which comes out March 15th, is what we're going to call our St. Patrick's Day episode. We will be watching The Quiet Man. Yes. Which is, you're going to probably guess. How quiet is Irish. it? Irish. No, no, not very. It, mm. it's, it has some Irish connections. Yeah, so, vague I, Irish connections. So thank you so much for joining us, Lana and David. Yes, we thank, really you. thank you. Thank you. Uh, and thank you for listening. We will catch you uh, the next time we do one of these podcasts, which will be in approximately 15 days. Yes. Goodbye. We hope you enjoyed our film fixation. We'll see you next time on A Real Education. Dee, dee.